This is Linux Reality, Episode 32, Web Browsers. Hey everybody, this is Chess, and I am back from vacation. Had a great time. Uh, we uh, went to the beach, my wife and our two young boys, that is, and uh, just had a real nice family time, just the four of us. Wasn't exactly relaxing, you know, seeing as how my wife and I had to, you know, we were up early every day with the kids, and they were up and ready to go, And but we had a great time. I mean, we uh, went to the beach and got out on the water, and uh, I was able to get some reading in, and uh, of course, couldn't stay away from my computer. I brought the laptop out there, and I uh, was working on some Python stuff and some bash scripting, and my wife just rolled her eyes at me. And I got on the Internet a little bit, but I really tried to stay away from that as much as I could and just sort of sat out on the deck and, and uh, with the laptop. And it was it was pretty nice. It was pretty nice, I have to say. But it's good to be back, and uh, it's good to be uh, doing the podcast again. And uh, as you know, obviously, I posted uh, the episode last week that Pat from the Linux Link Tech Show did, and uh, I really got a give mad props to Pat for doing that. I sure do appreciate it. It's awesome. I just think it was so great. I really enjoyed that episode. I personally learned a lot from it because, I mean, I haven't done that much video editing. I've done a little bit, but Pat's done a lot. And uh, so it was just fantastic. And I really hope that he'll come back and, and continue that and do some of the episodes on DVD authoring and some of that other stuff. So uh, thanks, Pat, so much for that. I really do appreciate it. Um, I owe you big time. So uh, And if you guys enjoyed it, please feel free to let him know. And uh, thanks, Pat. Let's see. Um, had uh, something else I was going to mention here before I got started is that uh, a couple of people have emailed me over the past several months about changing the order of the of the show. Uh, you know, as you know, I've been doing it with the uh, with the you know opening, and then I have you know usually listener feedback, and then listener tips, and then I get to the main segment. And a couple of people have asked me to uh, put the main segment first. But, uh, you know, actually a lot of people have asked have, or have emailed me and told me they like the order as it is. So I was very hesitant to do this. And because uh, my original thought when laying out the structure was it was almost like a magazine. You know, you open it up and you have letters to the editor and you have sort of little, little basic articles. And then you get to the and then you get to the meat of the of the of the magazine. And so that was sort of my thought process. But, uh, you know, I thought I'd try it out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of reverse the whole thing. So I'm going to do the main segment first, then listener tips, and then listener feedback. So we'll see how that goes. And you guys just, just let me know what you think. Uh, the last thing I wanted to uh, mention here up front is it's starting the new month. So if you would go over to podcastalley.com and cast a vote for the podcast, if you like it, I sure would appreciate it. You know, last month we got up to number 38, which is just incredible. And, uh, I mean, I knew that, I mean, we've just got such an awesome audience and it's just growing huge. I mean, uh, someday I'll tell you about the, about the listeners and just, you know, it's really just, a, it's, it's a big audience. I'm much bigger than I ever would have expected. Uh, and so you guys are really, uh, really, you know, casting your votes and I sure do appreciate it. So if you do that again, that'd be cool. Uh, okay. So with that, let's get to the main segment of today's episode, web browsers. <laughs> Now, you probably are thinking, web browsers, you know, how can you do a whole episode on web browsers? But my reasoning for doing this is that, like with all things in Linux, 
there are so many choices when it comes to web browsers. That's just what I love about Linux is you can, you know, some people that, that kind of, you know, criticize Linux or, or something, you know, they say there's too many choices and too many text editors and, and too many distributions and too many this and too many that. But I personally really like that. I hope that never changes. I really like choice and you can find choice in your web browser. Obviously, a lot of people use Firefox and I'll talk about Firefox here in a minute, but there are lots of other browsers that are worthy of your consideration and there are some that that may have some some value in in other areas. So, that's kind of what I was thinking and again, I kind of look at this as someone who's new to Linux and may not have much exposure to some of these alternative browsers, so I just wanted to shed some light on them. Um, obviously, the, uh, the, the the main browser that most of us use probably is Firefox, Mozilla Firefox, and uh, that's a fantastic browser. It's cross-platform, obviously. Probably one of the biggest strengths to Firefox is the fact that it's cross-platform and the fact that it has so many extensions. Now, if you're using Firefox on Windows or Mac or Linux and you're not using any uh, Firefox extensions, you're really missing out. You should go to, I think it's addons.mozilla.org is the website that, that lists all these extensions. And the extensions are like plugins. They add little functionality to the browser that's not there as part of the normal um, uh, piece of software. And there are just, I don't know, th probably thousands of extensions out there. So, I mean, there's ones that do ad blocking and there's ones that um, uh, that are like, you know, an RSS aggregator within uh, Firefox. There's, there's ones that will uh, fill in... Uh, registration information when you go to a website and you don't really want to register it'll just fill in some generic information like the New York Times you know you got to log in to be able to read the articles where there's an extension that will just fill in some random some random information so you don't actually have to do it uh, there's just I mean there's so many there's there's a web developer toolbar that's one I use a lot that lets you look at the code of websites and view images and, and view different pieces of the of the website turn them on turn them off there's just so many. Um, Firefox is just fantastic. Uh, it's um, obviously one that, that was born out of uh, the true uh, suite, the full-fledged suite from Mozilla, and uh, that was a bigger browser, and uh, that uh, has now turned into SeaMonkey. The original Mozilla suite, which is no longer actually produced or supported at Mozilla, was forked off by some users or some developers into something called SeaMonkey. And I haven't actually tried SeaMonkey, but it's basically just like the old Mozilla is with the, um, which has everything, you know, like the email and the, and the, what is it, the HTML editor composer, I think maybe it's maybe part of that. I forget, but it's the full fledged browser suite as opposed to Firefox, which is just a browser. But of course, what's funny is with Firefox, with all these extensions and all the new features that are added, it's becoming bigger and bigger. Uh, but, uh, you know, Firefox is obviously great, and, and how can you say anything anything wrong about Firefox? Um, but there are some alternatives, and uh, one alternative, obviously, other than SeaMonkey, is uh, Epiphany. Now, Epiphany is a web browser for GNOME, and it replaces uh, the, old, uh, the old web browser, which I'll mention here in a minute, uh, for GNOME. Now, the nice thing about Epiphany is it's based on, it uses the Firefox rendering engine, which is, which is, uh, the Gecko rendering engine. So it, it, web browsers should render just about the same as they would in, in Firefox. And, uh, which is a nice thing. And there's no, no need to reinvent the wheel there. Uh, the nice thing about Epiphany is I have found it to be a little bit faster. Uh, the, the one problem I have with Firefox, and the reason why it's not my main browser, although I use Firefox probably 
I don't know, I probably use Firefox 40% of the time and I use Epiphany maybe 60% of the time or something like that. But it, for me, Firefox is just a tad slow. I don't know what it is. There's a, just a little lag, not so much in the page rendering, although there is there, it is there too, but more in just the user interface. I don't know what it is, but it's just something about it just doesn't have a snap. Uh, at least for me, at least on my system. Uh, I've heard other people talk about this. I've also heard some people talk about stability issues with the latest 1.5 series of Firefox. I know Jeremy at linuxquestions.org has mentioned this. I haven't run into any stability problems, but I do notice this little lag. So Epiphany is a faster browser for me, although it's probably not the fastest, but it is faster. The, 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 the main downside with Epiphany is that it doesn't have nearly as many extensions. It really doesn't have very many at all. In fact, it's got a few and it does most things that most people would want. I mean, it has ad blocking and, you know, image blocking and RSS, you know, a, a way to add RSS links automatically into your aggregator and, you know, things like that. Of course, it has tab browsing, and, and I think that's pretty pretty common nowadays. But uh, but the other nice thing about Epiphany is that if you are using GTK, uh, uh, GTK2 applications, or if you like to use GNOME or XFCE, uh, it will it will take on you know the same uh, theme, so it's easy to to use your your GTK2 engine and theme, and and Epiphany will automatically pick that up. It makes it more uniform, um, as opposed to Firefox, which has its own individual skins. You know that you have to download separately. Uh, so that's that's Epiphany. It's a it's a great little browser. I like it um, because I just tend to like my browsers to be just web browsers, which is why I'm not a a big user of Conquer, which I'll mention here in a minute, uh, but Epiphany is just a web browser and uh, it doesn't do anything else, and, and that's that's kind of the way I like things for the most part. So now Epiphany replaced Galleon, and Galleon was the old browser in GNOME, and it's been several years since I've used it. I used to use it quite a bit, and it was a good browser. And I think the development stopped there for a little while, but now I think it's picked back up again. So it's also GTK2. So if you like to use uh, GNOME or XFCE or something, or you like GTK2 themed uh, applications, you might want to check it out. It has a lot of features. It's bigger than than Epiphany, um, and it's probably closer to Mozilla or Firefox, I guess. Uh, I, but to be honest with you, I really haven't checked into the status of that in, in quite some time. But it's a, it's been a good browser, and it's good to see that work has continued on that. Now, uh, Conqueror, of course, is a is the web browser. It, well, it's the file manager in KDE that that also acts as a web browser. And a lot of people really love Cali, uh, excuse me, really love Conqueror. Uh, and of course, if you're using KDE, you're probably using Conqueror as a file manager and, and more than likely as a web browser as well. So you would, you know, if you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend you do that. I saw something recently. There was some article, some folks did some tests of some kind to try to measure the speed of browsers. And I think they found that Conqueror was the fastest, which is true. That's what I have found as well. Conqueror probably is one of the fastest, if not the fastest browser. And so, and obviously it fits right in with KDE perfectly. So if you are using KDE and, and you know, you, select, you change your theme, obviously Conqueror will change right with it. Uh, the downside for Conquer, for me at least, in my experience, is that it doesn't seem to render pages as well. I mean, it's almost as good, but you know, my kids go to a lot of these uh, uh, sites like like Noggin and and Playhouse Disney and Sesame Street. You know, these kids websites where there's a lot of flash games. 
And those games will work in Conquer, but for some reason, occasionally the rendering is messed up. Like the like the flash will be misplaced on the page, or or pushed out of a out of a div on the page, or it just it kind of rendered weird for some reason. But uh, it works. But it just occasionally I've run into to rendering issues with Conquer. I don't know what the deal is with that. But um, other than that little little issue that that is pretty rare, it's a it's an excellent browser. Um, so that's uh, that's a bunch of browsers there. Uh, there's also um, Opera, which of course a lot of people know. That was that's a proprietary product. Uh, it is now free in terms of no cost. It, it used to be ad supported, you know, a free version with ads and a pay version without ads. But now they've made it free, as in no cost. But it's still not an open source product, at least last. Well, at least last time I checked. I think that's still the case. Uh, but that's also an excellent browser. It uses the Qt uh, toolkit or the Qt toolkit, which is what KDE uses, although I don't think it picks up the KDE theme. Uh, I think you still have to skin it separately. I could be wrong about that, uh, but uh, a lot of people swear by Opera, and it's also an excellent browser and very fast. And, and, and you know, obviously, I think it's supposed to have the best rendering out of all the browsers in terms of just pure, uh, you know, just pure rendering. Uh, pure CSS support, I guess. And uh, let's see, there was, um, there's also Dillo. Dillo is a great little browser. I love Dillo. Dillo, you see it often in DSL and other little small mini distributions like that because it is so tiny. And uh, it's very, you know, it's not very full-featured. And I don't think, I may be wrong, but I don't think it supports all the latest plugins. And I'm not quite sure about the level of its CSS support. But it's really, it's a graphical, you know, it's a GTK1 uh, browser, and it works very well, and it's very fast, and it's tiny. So if you like tiny, check out Dillo. Uh, really, you know, it's really nice. I think you'll like it, especially given how much how much overhead it uses, which is <laughs> virtually nothing. Um, so those are kind of the graphical browsers. We've got uh, all the main ones there, and obviously if you've got any others, please let me know about them. Now the other thing about Linux is, of course, there are text-based browsers, and there are times when you may need this, whether you're just in the terminal and you need to fire up a browser to go to a page and download something real quick, you know, you don't remember the, the URL to the actual download link or something, or uh, certain scripts occasionally will need to use a web browser for one reason or another. So there's a bunch of them, and um, uh, the two ones that come to mind for me at least are links and links. Uh, links spelled L-Y-N-X and links spelled L-I-N-K-S. Now the first one, L-Y-N-X, I think was the original, and I think the one um, spelled L-I-N-K-S came after. I believe that's right. Uh, but they are both text-based browsers that you can just use on their own. You know, you can just go into a terminal and type links, or you can pass along a URL as a as a as an option. You know, at the command line. So you could do links space HTTP colon, you know, www.google.com or something, and it will just it will you know it will open up whatever URL you pass along to it. Uh, these text-based browsers, I don't really think they've got any CSS, any real CSS support. I think there's maybe some limited CSS support in some of them, but uh, uh, obviously it's not going to really render too much of the of the flashy stuff on websites. But um, if you're, you know, if you just need to go to a website and, and do a quick uh, download or you fire up Google, I've used it to fire up Google before and just do a quick search for something. It works pretty well. There's also eLinks is another one and uh, 
W3M, I think it is, is another text-based browser. Uh, I tend to use Lynx, L-Y-N-X, for some reason. I don't, I just, that's always stuck with me, and it has worked well. And, uh, um, it, you know, it, it does pretty much everything you need it to do, like I said, unless you need real flashy stuff, which obviously you're not going to get in a text-based browser. Um, but it, but it does work really well. So, so, so there you go. I mean, there's like, you know, what, almost 10 different browsers between graphical and text-based browsers that you have in Linux. And, and there's other browsers in Windows and, and Mac OS 10 as well. But, uh, you really don't, other than Firefox, you really don't hear many people using other browsers. But the, the great thing about Linux is, I mean, there's people that you, that love Firefox, that love Epiphany, that love Conquer. There's Opera, you know, I mean, Opera's got a much bigger presence in Linux, I think, than, than perhaps it does on other operating systems. And it just goes to show you the, the power of choice and what I think is so, you know, one of the best things about Linux, what, what makes Linux so strong, uh, that's, you know, is, is the choice. So with that, I think it's time to check out some listener tips. To start, press any key. Where's the any key? I see esk, Kataral, and pig up. There doesn't seem to be any any key. Hi, Chess. This is Francois from Montreal. I've been a Linux user for about two years now. Um, I've tried Linux before, but um, I find it too hard to install, and uh, and the user experience wasn't there for me. But a couple of years ago, maybe three, uh, I tried uh, Linux again with uh, Fedora Core 3. And I've liked liked it really much, and and I've been on Linux since then. And I switched to uh, Ubuntu uh, last year. I'm calling for a listener tip. Uh, one of the commands of the terminal window that I use a lot is uh, uh, finding something in the history of the terminal window. You do it by pushing Control and then R, like in Romeo, and then you type some letters. And it's uh, it's showing you what it finds. Um, say you type uh, SSH, it will display the last SSH command you type in. Um, um, and if you push Control R again, you're gonna scroll up the history uh, until you find the one you want. It's uh, really really easy to do, and it's a really good uh, and fast way to retype commands and have. Uh, really fast way of doing things in the terminal window. So uh, this is it. Uh, keep up the good work. I find your uh, podcast uh, really helpful, uh, really clear, really uh, to the point. I'm waiting for the next one. Uh, thank you. Bye. Hi, and thank you for listening to Linux Reality. This is Blitz from Mesa, Arizona, and this is a listener tip for new and sometimes experienced command line users. When you are looking for help with the command line, almost every command has some form of help using the man command. You simply type in M-A-N, a space, and then the command name. But what do you do when you don't know what command you need to do what you want to do? This is when you need to find a command that is apropos or relevant to your needs. Linux has a command called apropos, and it is a lifesaver when you know something can be done from the command line, but you don't know what command you need to use in order to do it. For example, what if you need to sign an IP address to your network card, but you don't know the command? Well, if you type in APROPOS, a space, 
and then the word network. You will then get a list of commands and a general description of what they do, including the IF command, which, is, which has a description of configure a network interface. Now that you have a command name, you can always enter MAN, a space, and then IF config in this case, and read up on how to actually use it. Thank you for listening to Linux Reality, and here's Chess with the rest of the show. Message for you, sir. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for those awesome listener tips. And uh, for those of you who want to submit a listener tip, please do so. Uh, you can always just call it in. You can go to the Linux Reality homepage and call the voicemail number that's listed. You can also use the Odeo, the free Odeo web-based service. Uh, or you can just record it and uh, send it my way, send an MP3 or an AUG. So uh, thanks, guys, for that. Okay, we've got a few uh, pieces of uh, listener feedback here, and they're all email this week. I got actually a ton, and so I'm going to fit several in this week, and I've got you know more to I'll you know get to some next week. I, I, which reminds me, I wanted to mention uh, if you know if you have sent me a listener tip or sent me a you know a listener feedback, either whether it's an audio or uh, or an email one, you know, um, if I don't get it into the very next episode, don't worry. Don't think that that means I'm not going to get to it ever. It's just that I've gotten so many that I'm, <laughs> I've got like a little bit of a backlog. So uh, I do plan, you know, I, I've, I read everything, of course, and I save everything. So my plan is to try to work them in as I can. So, all right, with that, let me get to first one here. And this is from Matthew. And this is actually in reference to episode 30. Matthew says, hi. Great work on the podcast. You mentioned at the end of show 30 how backgrounded processes die when the terminal in which they were run is closed. I have a tip to prevent this. Prefix the command with, quote, nohup. For example, the command gzip huge file would be run like this. Nohup space gzip space huge file space ampersand. Now you can close your terminal without worrying about killing off gzip before it's done its work. Okay, now the science bit. Most processes are associated with a terminal on the system. When you launch a program from the terminal, it gets associated with that terminal. Uh, when you close a terminal, Linux sends a signal to all processes associated with the terminal SIGHUB, hang up. Unless a program takes steps to handle the signal or detach itself from the terminal, the result is for the process to die. Some processes don't have a terminal associated with them. Examples are daemons and quite a lot of KDE applications, which detach themselves from a terminal if that is how they are launched. NoHub provides a quick solution for programs which don't detach themselves. An alternative to using NoHub is Screen, which allows you to disconnect a program from a terminal and reconnect it, uh, reconnect to it uh, from another terminal. Screen does a whole load of other things too, worth investigation. Hope that's useful. Keep up the great work. Uh, well, Matthew, that is an excellent email. Uh, thank you so much for that. Those are great. Uh, great pieces of information there, and I, I knew about the new hub. I guess I, had, I wasn't thinking about it at the time I recorded that, but thanks for posting that or, or for passing that along. And Screen definitely is something I was going to talk about at some point. I use Screen a lot. It's a fantastic piece of software. It basically allows you to open up a terminal session, um, start some work, uh, then you can detach from the terminal, and then you can, and but it still is going on in the background. It's not that it's not that the it's not that the process has been backgrounded, but it's like that the whole terminal has been sent to the background. And then you can you know close the window. And then the really cool part is you can log into your machine from another place, 
and reattach to the terminal, picking right back up where you were. For example, I do this quite often. Um, like, let's say I'll, I'll be at home and I'll start a, a, a big process, like recompiling my kernel. I've actually done this. I've start recompiling my kernel at home in screen. I detach from the terminal. I go to work. I SSH into my machine, into my machine. I restart screen and reattach to the terminal and pick right back up where I was. Very cool stuff. And there's so many more things you can do with it. So, that's definitely something we need to get to. So anyway, uh, thank you so much, Matthew, for that great email. And here's an email from Hayden. Hayden says, hi, Chess. Just thought I'd write and say what so many others are already saying. Love the show. I'm a programmer slowly making the transition to Linux network administration and am a user of both Ubuntu and CentOS. Your show is informative and enjoyable, and I'm pleased to say I've now listened to every episode. You have a positive attitude to Linux, which is very infectious, and you cover some interesting topics in a clear and concise way. I loved episode 23, I think, where you talked about your adventures with a mail server and Myth TV. It's great to hear about your approach to server configuration, and I hope you will revisit this in upcoming casts. I'm also interested to know how you went about setting up your audio cast and what's required to achieve such a slick, professional-sounding show, especially the programs you use for mixing in music, listener feedback, and your own voice. Great work. Regards, Hayden. Wow, Hayden, that is a really nice email. Um, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, well, first of all, about the um, um, uh, how I do the podcast, you know, I'll, I might do an episode on that. Probably what I'll do is do one of these extra episodes, you know, these these point five episodes. I've only done one. I did that twenty seven point five episode, but I may do another one like that where it's kind of an, an you know an in between episode on how I do the podcast because um, I have I've talked a little bit about it here and there. Kind of I've, I've kind of talked around the subject a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I can pass along some things to to folks in, in case anybody's interested. The main thing is I try to keep you know focus on the content. I mean, you know, I, I don't think I really have a great radio voice or anything. I, I appreciate what you say about how it sounds professional and everything, and that's awfully nice. I certainly have no experience in doing any kind of broadcasting. Um, I mean, I want the show to sound pleasant. I don't want it to be painful to listen to. But uh, my primary concern is on the content and. Uh, you know, when I then when I put the podcast together, I want to make sure I encode it at a low bit rate. You know, so I mean, I have a lot of listeners in various parts of the world that still use dial-up, so I don't want to encode it at crazy high bit rates. You know, there's some podcasts out there that encode it like 100 or 128, and and it's just crazy. They, it's huge files, um, and you know, maybe a, a 45-minute show, and it's like 35 megabytes or some crazy number. That, uh, I mean, it sounds wonderful, but um, I, I try to keep the I try to keep the bit rate down and try to make it manageable size, manageable length. And uh, as far as putting together the actual stuff, I'll do I'll, like I said, I'll do a, a show on that at some point. So, um, and thank you for all the kind words about uh, my attitude and everything. I really do appreciate that. That's my whole goal. It's just to talk about Linux because I love it so much and I just want to help people. I mean, I, you know, I don't feel like I know that much, but what I do know, I, you know, I think I can, you know, hopefully pass along in a, in a, in a way that's, that's helpful and easy to understand. That's my hope. That's my hope at least. Uh, so I do, I do really appreciate that. And, and lastly, I am going to get to the uh, server configuration and Myth TV and all of that. I will definitely talk about that at some point as well. So thanks so much, Hayden. That's a really nice email. All right, uh, last one I'll read here. Um, I've got, actually, I was going to read a couple more, but um, I don't want to just keep reading and bore you with my voice. <laughs> so I'll cut it off after this, this one and save some for the next next week. 
Uh, last one here is from Sean, and Sean says, Chess, I just wanted to drop you, or, no, I just wanted to drop you a few lines and say you're doing a great job with this podcast. I'm a new Linux user, and your podcast has helped me tremendously. Over the past two years, I've experimented with various live CD distros. A few months ago, I built up the nerve and installed SUSE 10.1 as a dual boot on my laptop. I love it. If I didn't need Windows for some work-related programs, I would get rid of the Windows partition and go all Linux. I had read some horror stories about getting Windows and Linux to dual boot, but with SUSE, it was very, very easy. Another issue I was worried about was getting wireless networking to work. After some research, I found I had to update my firmware, and now it's working like a champ. Again, you're doing a great job with the podcast, and keep up the good work. Sean. Well, Sean, that is a very nice, and I am really excited to hear that you've had some success with SUSE and your laptop. Uh, laptops are always a little tricky, but... You know, they do work most of the time, and the wireless networking can usually be made to work. I've got a laptop. Uh, it's a Dell 700M, and I've got just about everything working great. Uh, wireless, WPA, you know, sleep, um, the Intel integrated graphics, the sound, obviously. I mean, the DVD, the CD rewritable, everything. It, just, it all works pretty much. It's got a secure digital card slot built in that does not work, and the modem doesn't work. But everything else pretty much does. So... Uh, good to hear about your success, and thanks so much for the email. I really do appreciate it. And thanks to everybody else who sent me all the great feedback. Like I said, I will I will get to some more over the next couple of weeks and uh, keep sending it in. And please, you know, please consider sending in audio feedback, you know, calling the voicemail or the audio service. I love to get the, the feedback in your own voice as well. So, all right, with that, I guess we're going to wrap up the show. Again, well, thanks, everybody, um, for all the great listener tips and all the feedback and all the great stuff going on in the forums. I sure do appreciate it. Uh, you guys are really just a fantastic audience, and I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you. Um, like I said before, feel free to go to the Linux Reality homepage and uh, check out the voicemail and the audio, the link to the free audio web-based voicemail system uh, for feedback and for listener tips. Uh, please do check out the forums and also check out the Frapper Map. If you haven't done done that, please go to the homepage and click on Frapper Map and put your push pin on there and let us know where you're from. We're almost at 1,100 people on the Frapper Map, which is just amazing. I cannot believe it. Um, it's really cool to see that. So keep keep doing that if you haven't done that already. Uh, let's see. Next week we are going to talk about other desktop environments and uh, like you know XFCE and Fluxbox and all that good stuff. I can't decide yet if I can fit it all into one episode or break it up. So I don't know. I'll have to see how that goes. So, but until then, I hope you all have a great week and uh, have a great weekend coming up. And I'll catch y'all next time. This has been episode 32 of Linux Reality. Bye bye.